Welcome to Hashtag Influencer, hosted by Babelbox CEO Sherry Langbert. Sherry interviews the world's biggest brands, agencies, and influencers to uncover their influencer marketing secrets to success. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review Hashtag Influencer wherever you get your podcasts from. On this week's episode, Sherry is joined by Jennifer Teagan, the National Director of Marketing and Communications for Reach Out and Read, an organization whose mission includes incorporating books into pediatric care and encouraging families to read aloud together every day. So a little bit about me. I grew up as the youngest only daughter to entrepreneurs, surprise, surprise. And while I have many fond memories of my childhood, I don't recall many moments when my parents read out loud to me. My older brothers tried, but you can imagine how that turned out. I guess the lack of reading to me and my household turned into a fascination with storytelling, which landed me in the influencer marketing space. There's no irony there. Reading out loud to children is critical in early childhood development, and today's guest makes sure all children have that privilege. I'm pleased to welcome Jennifer Teagan, Director of Marketing and Communications from Reach Out and Read, the nonprofit organization that promotes reading. Hi, Jennifer. So glad to have you on the show. Welcome. Thank you so much, Sherry. It's great to be here. It's great to have you. And, you know, before we go into everything, I would love to just get a sense. You've spent a career uh, in marketing and communications. Can you tell us a little bit more about your background? Yeah, absolutely. It's It's been a fun journey kind of getting here. I've been directly working in marketing and communications for about 15 years in nonprofits. And before that, you know, bumped up alongside of that as well. I have had the good fortune of working in both education and pediatric health care, which wow. is a great intersection of where Reach Out and Read does their work. And why did you choose? I mean, there's so many reasons, but how did you get into the nonprofit sector and, and what led you there? Why did you choose it? I think it's really about the mission. You know, I, I love connecting individuals with our mission and, and every organization I've worked for. It's really being able to tell the story and, you know, for Reach Out and Read, you know, if at the end of the day we have reached a parent or a grandparent and they pick up that book and spend quality time with their little ones, it's been a good day. It's extremely gratifying work. I won't be the first to say that it's easy work, oftentimes getting your message out there in such a noisy world, but it's really, really gratifying work. I can imagine, especially, so tell us all about Reach Out and Read and the whole mission of the organization, because it's so important and there's so little that people know about the benefits of reading. Absolutely. So we started right here in Boston about 30 years ago in 1989, um, and it's at the Old City Hospital, which is now Boston Medical Center. We have grown over the last three years. We are now in all 50 states, 33,000 medical providers delivering our important message of spending time with your children and reading to them out loud. We serve 4.5 million children a year, but shockingly, that's only about a fourth of the 20 million children that live in the, under the age of five in the US. We are the only national media pediatric early literacy model endorsed by the American Academy of Pediatrics. And it's, it's just really gratifying work to have the docs being able to tell their, tell the story of why it's so important to spend the time every day, just quiet time, cozied up on the couch, reading to your little one. Tell us a little bit about like the involvement of the, of the doctors. Like how does it really work with the pediatric care system? Yeah, absolutely. So with more than 33,000 providers operating in 6,100 sites across the U.S., the providers deliver a new and developmentally and culturally appropriate book at the well-child visit. 
They start seeing patients at beginning at birth. And so about, there's about 10 visits from birth to about age five. Our, our program does stop at age five because that's usually kindergarten, kindergarten readiness there. So when a mom brings in her six-month-old and her doctor integrates the book into the visit, they use it as a developmental tool. So as you can imagine, you, you hand the mom or the baby the book and what does a you know, six-month-old do? They put the book right into their mouth. And it's great because the doctor can then say, that's completely appropriate. This is exactly how your child's learning right now by putting everything into their mouth. And it's really a, an, an, another great feature is and they can model reading to the parent and, and then talking about the importance of spending that time together, even if it's just pointing at pictures, you don't have to get through the whole book. It's really about the time spent together, laying that foundation of quality time spent together. And so you collect the books, send them to all the doctors. And just so everyone understands, are they new books or they're used books or? So definitely new books. We, and we take donations for, for gently used books for a lot of our sites, non-COVID time, of course. We, we work directly with distributors to get the books into the hands of the docs. Most of the sites order their own books. So that way they know their own inventory and everything else. We deliver approximately 7 million books a year. Wow. across the United States. And a little bit more about, you know, for me, <laughs> I don't say, you know, I don't know when for me growing up, I don't think reading from my parents was a possibility. They were always working so hard. And so why is reading and storytelling storytelling so important in early childhood development? Wow. I know. I hope I don't spend our entire time talking about this because it's everything. And mm-hmm. it's, it really is, it's, it's amazing how, how many folks out there that are, that are having children that not only are well-educated, you know, well brought up in a sense, don't even understand the importance of reading aloud. So getting the message out there and working through the trusted pediatrician, we have the potential to reach 90% of, you know, all children in the United States. But when you read, talk, sing, connect with a child beginning at birth, it lays the foundation for not only healthy brain development, but it builds a resilient and loving person. I don't want to go too far down like the science and evidence that that backs our work, Mm -hmm. but we know that the first three years of a child's life is a critical window of growth, not only socially, emotionally, and developmentally. The brain experiences its largest growth window in these first few years. So imagine if you've you've got a loving parent or grandparent that spends the time reading, that, that child, that baby hears so many more words, their, their brain is primed for not only language acquisition, but they're also being served that, that social emotional connection of a loving adult spending the time with them every day. Right. I think I'm covered. My grandmother used to sing with me every day. So, <laughs> so, so singing is, is part of this, right? Singing. Absolutely. And- <laughs> singing, talking, reading, and then having, having that conversation back and forth, you know, that all of it counts. Mm-hmm. The book is ma- mainly the tool and the vehicle that sometimes makes it easier for folks. Cause I think, you know, for me, I was never a big singer when I, you know, my two little ones, but I could read a book and then you'd make up your own stories around it. And we hear all the time how much, you know, a, like a two-year-old will love to read the same book over and over, over, and over yeah. again. And how, how fun it is when you, you know, I used to skip a page occasionally just to see if they were paying attention. And They'd want to go back and do that repetitive every single, you know, word and they'd point to the words. So all of that is so important for not only being prepared for school, but, you know, they're prepared for life. 
It's interesting because like with the toys, like I noticed with my son, like they go through phases. So it was the repetition, but then it's the collecting, like they want to collect things and like how many of something they could collect, which is yes. so fascinating to me. And so correct me if I'm wrong, math, how does that come into this playbook? So math is, uh, it's incredibly important. It also, it's one of our actual special initiatives. We have a reach out and read counts. As we know, math is so language-based, especially, you know, in our, our American school systems, it's very language-based. Mm-hmm. So it's something that they can learn early and you can incorporate it into fun, even higher executive, you know, learning skills of, you know, comparing, predicting, those are all math skills. So the basic simple counting is, is wonderful. There's so much more going on with, with math that you know, we, we decided to tackle um, that a couple of years ago and are rolling it out. We're just in the second phase of we've, we've piloted it in, in several states and are gonna be rolling it out nationwide soon. It's so critical because I think that when you hear about problems kids have in school, it's really not about the reading more. It's more about the math. Right. And then, and, and math is still so, again, roots back language. to language. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a lot of it is just how much you talk about and how familiar they become with many of those skills as well. Yeah. We've, we've seen, we've seen reach out and recounts a lot of great, Beth. a lot of great, yeah. A lot of yeah. great things yeah. to learn from it. Yeah, definitely. And you talk about that as a special initiative. So tell us about some other, I know there's a lot, so you know, other special initiatives and how you support, you know, different communities that are in need of help. Yeah, absolutely. So we have, we have several special initiatives and they really do still work within our model of the well child visit and delivering the book. But we, we really try and focus on some special populations that, you know, have special circumstances around them, like military families, mm-hmm. you know, being deployed, being moving a lot, trying to build resiliency, you know, a, a young Military families move on average of two to three times more than regular families that aren't aren't in active duty. Native American, Alaskan Americans, yeah, providing books in their first language. We just did some special fundraising around Navajo Nation and partnered with several groups out in New Mexico to get culturally appropriate books around COVID. You know, hmm. because there was just this they were hit so hard with COVID, and the information that was getting to them wasn't wasn't accurate and, and wasn't trusted because it wasn't coming from a source that they trusted. And then another another really initiative that we're really excited about is our mirrors and windows campaign. And that's really working within having books that reflect children and that you know they see themselves in the books. So having diverse and culturally appropriate books. You know, it's it's an amazing opportunity to work with small business owners, diverse and authors. And so that's just getting off the ground as well. That's amazing. Now I know, you know, nonprofits and marketing, there are so many challenges, but specific to your organization, are there any unique marketing challenges you face? There really are. And, you know, our, probably our, our main challenge is that because we work through the trusted pediatrician or nurse practitioner, family family doctor, we don't really get a lot of opportunity to connect with the end user of the program, which is the family. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. that's yeah. yeah. And a lot of that's HIPAA, you know, and, and mm-hmm. the fact that they're getting the book from the doctor. So oftentimes they think the book comes from the doctor. Hmm. Um, so there's those present challenges of how do we, 
how do we get our brand out there and how do we get our name out there? And, you know, one of the ways we, we feel often disconnected with the, you know, primary beneficiary of the program. That's why we have social media. We've had such, we've had such an impact with social media because it gives us a chance to talk directly to moms, dads, grandparents, and their experience around sharing books together. Up until my son was five, he would get books from PJ Library. And what they did, I don't know if you do this, is they put on the books that were coming from publishers or independent authors, like their PJ Library, like a little sticker, so that we all knew that it was coming from this nonprofit organization. Yes, we do that as well. We are are very, very lucky to work with some great distributors with Scholastic and All About Books. Mm-hmm. And they do, they do help us get some branding on the books with 7 million books. It's really hard. It is one of our <laughs> goals. It is one of our goals to have all of our books branded, but we have hundreds and hundreds to choose from. So the doctors mm-hmm. have a lot of, you know, variety to be able to choose from and different developmental milestones that they like to, you know, they all have their favorite books. They like to give out in a sense of program books, but it, yeah, it is. It, it can be a challenge, you know, just to, to raise the notion that, you know, the, the doctor gave them this great book and, and even we're okay with that though, too. It's, it really is. It's all about just getting the message the books, out yeah. right aloud. Yeah. Yeah. And so you talk about social media. When did you start to go to social media to get direct correspondence and how has that evolved and how has it helped? It, it really has helped. It's really helped us connect with our audience. And because we can tell when we connect with a parent, the, the message is, is very clear that they, they love that time they spend together. They, they really have found kind of the magic and the transformational power of reading together. It's their quiet time. So there's, there's so much warmness and fondness around hearing, say, a grandmother or a grandfather talk about how they, they really love reading to their grandchild because it brings back such warm memories of reading to their own children. And so that's, that has been such a great way for us to connect um, is through social media. And oftentimes we'll ask for, we'll run little mini campaigns asking for stories or, or little fun things like share your favorite photo. It gets a little tricky because we need to make sure that we always get the photo permissions and things like that. But it's been really rewarding working through, especially Instagram and Facebook for connecting with parents. That's what I was going to ask you, which is the best channel? Is it, I mean, I can't see Twitter being so strong or Pinterest, but Instagram or Facebook, which is the winner? Instagram. Instagram oh, wow. for, us for parents. So it's funny. All of my platforms have very different users. Okay. It's a very different makeup. My, all my docs are on Twitter. That is where we go to exchange information. It's, I post similar content there, but a slightly different for Twitter. But that's where our medical community is. They are such strong advocates for our work. And they really, they really like to hold up and amplify our message whenever possible. But Instagram is where, where the moms are, the librarians, the grandmas, the grandpas. They love, love, love to give, you know, the like, the shout out, the sharing. And then Facebook as well. And Facebook is, you know, in the last year, I've seen Facebook change quite a bit. And it's, it's kind of hard to reach the audience that we used to reach. I don't know if others are finding that same, same challenge. But for about a year now, we've, we've really struggled to get our posts as broad reaching as they used yeah. to be. So yeah. they're trying to get you to spend advertising dollars. Yeah, and we have been so actually, we that is one of our tactics, you know, we, we've been to raise awareness, we really we do Google advertising, and we do Facebook and Instagram and a couple other smaller projects. And we've seen a lot of a lot of success on Facebook when we advertise. 
but you know, and, and with generating leads as well, but it, it is, it's a tricky platform lately. I don't know. It's been about the last year. I've seen it change quite a bit. Yeah, definitely. And I was actually on a networking call last night and a lot of the women were saying that they're not looking at their feeds anymore. They're more embracing Facebook groups. So like if they're in a group, uh, for, yeah. so it's more about like, maybe there's like, I don't know, like local teaching groups or nurse groups. Like that's where a lot of people are spending more time rather she called it just the scroll and drool or something like that. Like it's, you know, she I can doesn't see that. Yeah. yeah. Because we, I'm in, you know, our, our national page is in several groups and there's a lot more conversation in those groups compared to just reacting with one of our posts. Mm -hmm. um, and that does make a lot of sense. Yeah. Thanks for the insight that I, I thought it was just kind of me. <laughs> <laughs> it was interesting last night. Cause a lot of the women were saying that that's, and I, and I see it too, from a community perspective, you know, I don't really post on Facebook personally anymore, but I will, I get a lot of, you know, back and forth with people in different communities. So I think that's, that's something that I think everyone's going through. Yeah, I do as well. I, now that you mentioned it, I really, I don't post personally on Facebook anymore either. Mm -hmm. And, but I do see uh, several of the groups that I'm in lots of great conversation. Yeah. You know, I'm in one for my dog, of course. <laughs> <laughs> right. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> True. Um, so do you do I mean, I know that we're working together on something, but do you do anything with influencers? You know, we've done a couple small things. I have to say, we, we you know, just finished the Toddler and Tots campaign with, with Babel Box, and it's been such a great experience for us on so many levels. We learned a lot about our audience, you know, things that I thought I knew or had, you know, insight into how folks interact with each other, but it was just such a great learning experience for us. And just the camaraderie of, these moms and how they connect with each other through, you know, through a strong support system. And I, I thought I found that to be very filled with joy. Whereas a lot of times I find social media can be such a, almost a chore, mm -hmm. but I found it very joyful and uplifting in a, in a, a very different way. We've worked with a few, a few, a few celebrities with like favorite book lists and favorite times of year. And then I have my my influencers that are in, you know, like the medical and healthcare field that just really are true advocates for our work. But then they're talking back to, you know, their audiences, which are, which are healthcare and medical. So it's, it's great because it helps us grow the program, you know, and we know, I mean, our, a medical intern who does their residency is if they experience reach out and read in their residency and they don't have it in the practice they go to, they end up starting it. Yeah. So it's, it's a great pipeline for us and a great way of advocating for the program itself. Well, we've seen, particularly during COVID, just so many campaigns shifting. Like, could it be influencers that are nurses, doctors, you know, pediatricians, teachers? So it's definitely something, you know, we've seen particularly like an uptick in the type of influencers being medical or education during COVID. So how has... The past, I don't know, I've lost count, year? Of <laughs> Me too. <laughs> How have things been, has, you know, what's been going on amidst this time that we're living in? Well, it's, you know, our nonprofit, much like every other business, it suffered. You know, we, we shut down all of our offices, went virtual. 
Mm -hmm. um, we didn't have a very large office in downtown Boston, but we haven't gone back since almost a full year in yeah. March, that first week in March. And it, you know, well child visits went, went down considerably through June because mm. Folks weren't going to the doctor. So our program numbers did go down, but we, we saw them right and come back to normal because folks have to go to the doctor. You, you can't skip a well child visit. So you may not have it right at two, but if you're going at two and a half, it's still okay. So we did see those numbers come back up, but what we really found is, and I have to say, I'm, I'm, I'm so proud of our organization. It was very internal. It wasn't something we really boasted about or talked about beyond our own walls, but we, we really reconvened and brought, brought everybody together and started meeting weekly with, you know, with our leadership in a sense of our medical leadership, our, our executive leadership. And we met weekly about what can we do? How can we still serve these families? And out of that came some telehealth videos and telehealth learning of how to still talk about reading together even when you're not in person. So even though the doc couldn't give the book, it gave them a window into the family's life at home. So, you know, what does it look like at home? And it, it gave the, you know, the children that were still being seen, you know, if they're not getting a vaccine, they'd still come in for their vaccine later. But if they're just getting their well child visits as a check-in and, you know, the other work gets done later, they were still getting seen and heard and, you know, asking mom or dad, how's it going? So there's, yeah. there's a mental health aspect to it. Oh my God. Yeah. So huge. And I think that was really needed. And I have to say, I'm so proud of our organization that we came around and put, pulled together a video virtually in a matter of a couple of weeks to be able to, to say, you know, and teach, teach our docs how to do reach out and read through telehealth. Yeah. Um, and that lives on our website still. And, you know, I think folks still use it, but it's, you know, not as urgent now, you know, they are going back in person for well child visits, but just sharing of resources and then checking in with each other. You know, I think I, this level of care has gone well, really up, you know. There's such a, an important, you know, the, the mental aspect of what's happened to children and what is happening to our children. It's like when we think about going to the doctors, it's like, are they eating their this? Are they going? But what right. about are they are they are their emotional needs being tended to, which I think are they being gonna, isolated? You know, the yeah. isolation we're going to this is going to still un, unfold for years to come, you know, for years affected our children and in, in this population and at different ages too, you know, yeah. and, and I think with one of the great things that I keep going back to the reading aloud, but it really does build resiliency. It's mm -hmm. that little 10 minutes of normalcy or 15 minutes of normalcy that you can still do at home with that four-year-old that used to go to, to preschool. Yeah. I'm on page 600 of Harry Potter. It's <laughs> <laughs> we read all of those out loud too. I have to say, disclosure. I love, love, love. The audiobooks are even better because they just, that soothing British accent. I love it of Jim Dale. So maybe I'll do it next. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so a critical question, because I know we have influencers listening in. How can influencers help you in doing your great work that you're doing? Oh, great question. I think it, I'm just going to focus on one platform and that's Instagram. We are pretty new to the Instagram game still. We're only at about 3000 followers. I would just love the help in following us and help amplify our message. I'm open to working with, with all folks. And I've met some really great influencers with just working with Babelbox, but we would love to hit the 10,000 goal or just, you know, keep, because we know that if the more folks that see our message, that it will be taken 
taken seriously in a sense of like, oh, hey, they keep saying the same thing. This must be, this really must be important. And it's just, it, it's really been a lot of fun. So I would, I'm open to anyone reaching out to me directly, just liking our posts and follow us. Awesome. And 3,000, if you just got started, is still a lot of followers. So that's great. It's getting there. <laughs> and it's a so, lot of work. <laughs> I, I, I know. Now, on the brand side, if, are brands able to participate? Like, do you do anything like partnering with brands to support? Absolutely. Them? Absolutely. We, we like to really partner with, you know, like-minded brands in a sense of, and we do a lot of partnering with other literacy organizations, healthcare organizations, anything that really is supporting the whole, whole health of a child, whether it's mental health and, and then for corporate brands and foundations, we partner with several and it, we found really gratifying work in it because it, it takes a whole village to, to really raise these children. And when I say these children, that's, it's all the children in the United States and trying to move the literacy dial and raising healthy, happy, you know, high functioning kids is, is a very lofty goal. So we are open to working with brands. We do a lot of camp co co-branded campaigns. We have some shared social media campaigns that we do with several literacy organizations. So we are definitely open to working um, together because it's Perfect. better together, really. It's better together. That's what we say. And so how can people find you? It's reach out and read and reach out and read.org. And all of our social channels are at reach out and read. Perfect. So my final question, which I always ask, which sometimes it scares people, but name, <laughs> an, name an influencer you love to follow, but hate to admit that you do. And you could remove the hate if you don't want to say that part. That is so funny. So I had more fun, I think, with this question than any of the others, um, <laughs> because I have no real shame in my game. I follow a ton of people on my own Instagram and Twitter and such. But what was funny was when I went to go and look, I'm not real diverse, diversified in my following. I follow pretty much anyone that likes to post about food. And <laughs> so if that says enough about me, I'm your girl. If you need to know somebody where to get the best tacos on the street in Austin, Texas. And it's just, you know, I, I, it, it was kind of eye-opening. So I don't really have anyone that I, I'm not, I hate to admit that I follow them because I pretty much follow anyone that talks about food. That's awesome. <laughs> well, when I'm able to travel again, I'm going to write to you about recommendations of where I should go to and who has the best tacos. Oh my gosh. If you like street food, the best tacos are in a, a gas station off of South Congress. And it's a little white truck that has no, no names on it. And there's little ladies back there making tacos by hand. So awesome. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. Such a pleasure speaking with you, Jennifer, and please stay in touch and anything we can do to support your efforts. We are here for you. Thank you so much. And thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Hashtag Influencer. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review us wherever you get your podcasts from. For all of our episodes and more information about our guests, head to podcast.babblebox.com. That's box with two X's. And stay tuned for next week's episode, where Babblebox CEO Sherry Langbert interviews another great guest. This is Hashtag Influencer. <laughs>